Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to my friends out there. All five of them. I'm kidding. I think I have more than five. It is Sunday, September the 25th, 2022, Bo Blimp Dock. And it's right around 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Utah. But if you're listening on WRMI 5850 kilohertz, Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're listening to the great radio system out of the swamp near Okeechobee, where giant monsters covered in monctus grease will crawl forth with the Wookiee army, they're coming forth in soon time. They've got the power of laser beam eyes. Yes, they have the power of laser beam eyes. Those Wookiee people, so lucky and furry, they stand about 15 feet tall. But they thirst after our human blood. They're tired of our human bullshit. They're really pissed off about our crappy attitudes. They're sharpening their sticks. They're up there in the mountains right now. They're in the swamps. They're in the holla. And they're sharpening their sticks and their swords. They're building up piles of rocks because they're coming for you, baby. I'm kidding, but it is Sunday. It is Sunday. And if you are listening on the radio, the notes for this podcast broadcast can be found by going to planetarystatusreport.com slash WRMI planetarystatusreport.com slash WRMI and if you go there you can get the notes and who knows who knows First topic, um, I was at the Maverick yesterday. Maverick is kind of like the Chevron or the gas station mini mart. They got their breakfast tacos. They have their breakfast sandwiches. They they serve all sorts of cromulac and various types of Ginkus tea. If you go there, you can buy your diesel. If you go there, you can buy your gasoline. If you go there, you can find your lost hope somewhere behind those Doritos. If you go there, you can smell the time. The time, the time of beasts and love. But a dude walked up to me when I was at the checkout line. He could have very well been a Ute Indian, who knows? He could have been some type of Native American shaman with some secret. He said, what day is it? And I immediately looked at him in the age of smart devices and tracking devices, and I said to myself and to him, what? And he said, what day is it? Is it Friday? And I shook my head as if to say no. It's Saturday, buddy. Yes, it's Saturday, buddy. 
and he looked at me with the darkest of despair, the coldest of eyes. He looked at me as if he was the time stone cracking forth Kronos. He looked at me as if the, the gash in the universal you know, spire, fire, whatever, was, you know, releasing its its fart lasers. He looked right at me and he said, I still have time. Yes, he looked at me and he said, I still have time. Time to find my forest princess. Time to go to the mountains and live. Time to be a cougar husband. Time to be a wolfman wife. I still have time. And I said, buddy, you do. You've got all kinds of time. Yes, you have all the time in the universe, buddy. It was weird. This really happened. It was one of those weird, maybe normal, banal experiences. You don't usually have people come up to you and ask you what time it is. Now, you could say, well, maybe he was looking to, you know, to beg for money. But who begs for money in the checkout line, you know? I mean, usually you're, you're just sauntering outside the door you're making furtive looks and looking for someone who might be as sad as you but has money. You're looking for a, a mark. You're looking for somebody to take advantage of. Believe me, I've been grifted. And, and a lot of people, if you've lived long enough on Planet Boblimdok, whether you know it or not, you've been grifted too. And what is an undiscovered grift? I mean, think on that for a second. There were years and years and years where certain clients of Bernie Madoff made a ton of money. They made a ton of money. They, they died having earned money. Their families got dispersals from wills. You know, hey, Bobby McGee, you get a million bucks because your grandmama invested in Bernie. This happened. This was real. Not everybody ended up putting money into his pyramid scheme and losing it. A few people got money back. And if you never know it's a grift, if you never know it's a con, if you never know it's a pyramid scheme, what is that? Is that winning the lottery? Is that like walking down the street and find a big old bag of cocaine and cash that some cartel dude accidentally dropped in the wrong place? I guess. And if nobody sees you grab that bag of cash and cocaine, then who knows better and why does it matter? And if you go to Vegas and you sell the cocaine for half a million bucks and take the other cash and go down to the roulette table and you bet it all on black, yeah, who knows any better? You know, one of the reasons why I sometimes go off on rants about the Milgram experiment is because much of modernity is about deflecting responsibility and sort of obscuring 
any sense of empathy so that you don't have a connection to the thing you're actually torturing. In the Milgram experiment, you hear the person scream, you, you're told that if you push a certain button, you are going to electrocute them. But in the real world, you're given a button with a rainbow on it. And every time, every time you hear the little angel robot sing, you push the rainbow button. And you don't know that there's a person hooked up to like some type of torture device every time you push the rainbow button. You, you hear happy noises. You get a coupon for pizza. That is the real world, okay? Especially these days, especially with technology. You don't have to know anything about the damage you do. Now, why am I saying all this? Because I don't think that guy was grifting me. I don't think he wanted 20 bucks. I think he really didn't know what day it was. And maybe he was getting married that day. Why do we have to be all dark about crap? Maybe he was getting married to his woman, his Native American woman. They live up in the mountains, hunting muskrat meat, and they would celebrate time because you still have time, buddy, to fall in love. You still have time to find your forest lover and carve out an existence in the mountains. You still have time to break out and break free, buddy. There's a life out there for you and me. Next topic. Because I think I beat a dead horse there, didn't I? Didn't I, huh? Next topic, right? So I'm kind of on the fence about what the Ukraine is, uh, the Ukraine war, whatever you want to call it. I know that there are people out there that are grasping at straws to find who the good guys are. You know, it must be Zelensky, right? Because we're told he's the good guy. And Putin, we're told, is evil. So he must be evil. The truth in these types of conflicts is usually somewhere in between. And the reality is the only people in the Ukraine that we should say prayers for are not the soldiers, not the ones shooting each other, not the mercenaries getting paid. The ones we should say prayers for, if this is real, are the innocent men, women, and children who are being blown up. Okay. Now, of course, in, in the reality world that is not at all Milgram, you can watch your CNN and pretend that every time a good guy bomb goes off course, it turns into a, a basket of flowers if you want to. You can pretend that none of that is happening, that no innocent people are being killed. And then if it does happen, you can say, well, it was the other guy. The other guy did it. Putin did it. Can you believe that guy, Putin? Oh, my God. It's a fact that Russia invaded Ukraine. It's also a fact that Ukraine conducted ethnic cleansing between 2014 and the date of the invasion. And for a long time, I was told that NATO was opposed to ethnic cleansing. But maybe that's not the whole truth, right? You may not know this, but our government helped Saddam Hussein get chemical weapons. And the first targets of his chemical weapons were the Kurdish minority. And if you think that, well, there's no way the CIA could have known about this, and there's no way that we would have allowed such things to happen, you, you really are living in your own private little paradise place in your head. 
These are things that were well known. And these are things that could have been prevented. So when people talk about Putin and Zelensky and the Ukraine, all I can tell you is our government has a history of doing rather shameful things. And you may never, ever understand why. Just like the grift that doesn't get discovered, you may never know the reason why they do these terrible things. You might not know. And it could be just to do evil. It could be. I personally think Hanlon's razor is bullshit. So if you want to say, well, it's because they're stupid. No, it could equally be the case that they're just really evil pieces of crap. And there's a third state of affairs where it could be a combo plate of stupid and evil. And that's it. That's why we gave chemical weapons to Saddam. That's why in 2014, we toppled the elected government in Ukraine. Six driving hours from Moscow. And a person completely ignorant of world history for the last hundred years might have thought that was a good idea. But back in 2014, I knew it was catastrophically fucking stupid. And everybody around me was like, why are you talking about it, Dan? I don't want to know. You don't... You can study the Milgram experiment if you want to and waste your fucking time. But the reality is, your brothers and sisters conspire against themselves to not know the truth. They don't want to know. Your friends, your family, the normies out there don't want to know. You combine that with a button that, that when you push it, does a little rainbow bright song. And you can get anybody to do anything. You just have to keep the reality from them. And, and these days, it's not that fucking hard. These days, it's quite easy, actually, to hide the truth. So you got a combo plate of people that want to be lied to. You have a magical Skinner box that rewards them for being stupid. What do you think the outcomes are? So I don't know what the Ukraine is. Could be real. Could be fake. Could be something in between. Could be a giant snuff flick could be a coordinated effort between NATO and Putin. I mean, as of right now, it looks like there's a good chance that the Ukraine thing is winding down for the wintertime, potentially. Russia is holding its elections. And I don't know. I just find it highly unlikely that there's going to be a nuclear war. But since everybody's talking about it, and since it's really exciting to talk about, I'm going to talk about it in this next topic a little. Because we should think about the nuclear world to come. If we want to live in a, in a world, in a nuclear war world, you got to get ready for stuff, okay? In a nuke war, your girl is named Sally. Your dog is your life. You go on searches for cocaine... You go fishing for cockroach wine in a nuke war. You think about your ex-wife. You hope she lived at a primary target. Oh, that's because you don't want her to be in pain, right? In a nuke war. A nuke war is a come-as-you-are war. We don't make weapons like we used to. It takes weeks and months, it takes days and days to make our fancy weapons that mostly sometimes work. So come as you are to a nuke war, it's all you're gonna get, you know, motherfucker.
In the nuke war, you are the missile commander manning that silo. You've got seven hooker wives living in the silo. You rub their bubula. They scrub your dingus. You fall in love with them. You make nuke war babies. And it's amazing in a nuke war. In a nuke war, the nuclear weapons clean the earth of the bullshit. They cleanse the cities of the fecal matter and the dried blood and other protein on the sidewalk. They clear out the grinko freaks and the dringus and the yuppies and the house flippers and the commies and the BLM Antifa reject dry cleaners. A nuke war will remove all the Starbucks. Well, maybe not all the Starbucks. Starbucks like roaches, you know. Starbucks might survive a nuke war. But you're going to be drinking cricket milk. And yes, the cricket has a very small booby. And it'll be hard to harvest that cricket milk, but you will in the nuke war. In a nuke war, we become like, you know, children again. We're given a new world, a kind of paradise for the one in 1,000 left alive. There's plenty of, you know, razor blades to make sure you're not growing excess body hair. There, there's plenty of deodorant because, you know, in all the movies after a nuke war, it doesn't look like anybody is worried about being stanky. There's makeup and clothing that's sexy and post-apocalyptic. Your shoulder pads will be old used tires. And ultimately, everyone will be happy and children again as we all build forth a new land and world. But hey, it's a nuke war. In a nuke war, your dog has ESP and is addicted to meth. In a nuke war, your dog can read your mind and you can read its mind. In a nuke war, you see into the dog's soul. You realize the ancient wolf pain. You know they're waiting for you, baby. They're waiting for you to die in the nuke war. In a nuke war, you will hunt the Grinkus flesh. In a nuke war, women will wear almost nothing. They will cover themselves in muskrat juice. They're hot and crazy and very loose. In a nuke war, Lee Marvin will roam the countryside, driving his army jeep, looking for something to love. He'll find a mutant sheep. He'll settle down and marry. They have a nuke baby. They'll name it Harry. In a nuke war. Can you can you imagine Lee Marvin? Who's Lee Marvin? I was born you you be quiet, child baby. Your pain is coming, child baby. But for those of us who know and remember Lee Marvin, he's out there already. He's sharpening his swords. He's got an old World War II army jet and a bunch of M1 carbines with a couple drunk friends, and they're coming for you. In a nuke war. 
In the nuke war, there is a computer that lives in a cave. It tells you what to do. Yes, in the nuke war, this computer, you bring it a can of soup, and it'll say, oh, no, that's, that soup's no good. And put it, put it in the slot. In the nuke war, you bring it a can of chicken. It's like, oh, no, that chicken's no good. Put it in the slot. In a nuke war, you bring it a fifth of, fifth of, fifth of whiskey, and it analyzes the whiskey, and it seems like there's a dude behind a cardboard wall covered in aluminum foil pretending to be a robot, but you say, what the fuck, I don't care. There's been a nuke war. I lost everybody I care about. So you give the machine the whiskey, and you can smell the farts. Computers don't fart, baby. Well, usually, baby. In a nuke war, as stated, the Wookiees come down from the crazy mountains. They find Montana wine and ravage the busty maidens. They wield swords of fire, their eyes glow brightly. The cockroach stew is meant for me and you in a nuke war. People will eat chimpanzee burgers. People will consume Greek's flesh. People will scour the sewers for anything left alive, you know, in a nuke war. You could live in an orbital facility. High above the planet with 50 or 60 other scrumbo freaks. You could live in an orbital facility and you see the nukes go off and it's scary. And you have enough food and oxygen for a few months, but if you start taking some people out, it can be better for you. Hey, Tony, will you go check out the airlock? While sure, Bill. Hey, Maria. Would you like some soup? Well, sure. I'll take some soup. Hey, Richard. Can I call you Dick? In a nuke war? In a nuke war, you, you find Scarlett Johansson half-naked wandering through the woods. You get on board a starship headed for the Martian colonies. You're having sideways sex with Miss Trubis, and then she gives you an A in a nuke war. In a nuke war, you will want to have condiments. You will want to have sriracha sauce and mustard and hot sauce. You will be eating two things, canal foam and human trog meat in a nuke war. All the races, black, white, yellow, green, red, blue, purple, all the races and religions, all the belief systems and preferences in a nuke war all the races will be melted into one. 
We will be one people, one greasy mess, covered in tumors, covered in pus, and there'll be no more race wars. And all of the mutant chud folk will live in peace. In the nuke war, you will smoke anti-radiation cigarettes as your 3D printer cranks out tiny half-kiloton nukes. You will have your own shoulder-fired launcher. You'll take out your ex-wife first in the nuke war. Yeah, so that's what I'm thinking about as far as the nuke war goes. I think it's dumb. I don't think there's going to be a nuclear war. There could be. I mean, we don't have good information. As the as the very low-level Gregan folk, we have the CNN and the PBS and, you know, we have crap. We have various forms of crap. You have alt crap. You have conservative crap. You have lib prog crap. Got a lot of commie crap, but in terms of useful information for figuring out what's going on, there's not a lot of it. Just a lot of lies. Just a lot of fear. Okay? As a Christian, I don't know that there's anything in Revelation or prophecy that I've come across so far that would indicate that we have to have an end of all nuke war. However, if we were in the end times, and that is a time of war, you could see nukes go off. I don't think it's going to be every city vaporized, but could there be bombs that go off in the near future? Sure. And if this is real, if the Ukraine situation is real, if it's not a manipulated event, then yeah, things are kind of dangerous. You know, you can talk all you want to about Crimea and Ukraine, but then you should also meditate on Puerto Rico, Guam, Texas, and California. And that's just for starters. And if you want to say, well, Dan, we've had those territories for, well, you know, some of them for about 100 years. And Crimea's been Russian for a few hundred years, several hundred, actually. So if we're getting into the competition of, you know, is Crimea more Russian than Puerto Rico is American? The simple answer is yes. But that doesn't matter. We are the empire. We are the predominant power right now. It may be slipping away, and I think it is, but for right now, everybody is scared of us. Because why? Because we have optimized the killing machine. We have figured out the great Milgram riddle. We have all kinds of ways to kill people with very low-level guilt about it. And we've hidden it from people. We've created barriers in the media where we really don't find the truth. We don't. We don't get it. You, you might scrape to some corner of the internet or the dark web and find a JPEG of some family that was set on fire. But beyond that, we don't get the truth about the wars. We don't. So there you go. There's your nuke war. And if you want one, if you're some liberal commie who has a cartoon version of Russia in your head, then I hope that you don't die in the first strike. I hope that you get radiation poisoning. 
I hope that it's drawn out and painful. And if you're some neocon conservative who wants to talk to me about America ruling the world, I hope you don't get killed in the first strike. I hope you die of radiation poisoning. And I hope you see the people you love die of radiation poisoning so you can meditate on your bullshit as you poop out all your insides. And that may sound cruel, but I, for one, am not rooting for the nuclear war. And so many dumb motherfuckers in America right now are doing exactly that. They're rooting for something they don't understand. They're, they're rooting for the death of people they don't know based on a history that, at best, they have a cartoon paragraph in their head bouncing around. So, no, I have no pity or sadness for people who ask for this, who want this. No, sorry. No space for that. And this ain't about Christian forgiveness. This is about consequences. This is about being on Planet Bull Blimp Dock and not understanding where the fuck you are. Okay? This is not heaven. This is not Eden. This is not the kingdom. If you fuck up here nine times out of ten, pretty much 99 times out of 100 probably, you're screwed. I mean, maybe once in a while, the Lord sticks his finger into the game and moves a piece to the right or the left to help you out. But all things being equal, on this planet where we're at right now, read the book of Ecclesiastes, drink three shots of whiskey and call me in the morning. Okay? Shit you do here has, has consequences. It's not a free lunch. And a nuclear war, if it's real, if it could happen, would be terrible. But I say if, 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 and if because, <laughs> brothers and sisters, we've been lied to big time. And the worst part about it is a lot of you want the lie. You, you desire it more than the truth. You don't really want to know if some wretched thing is being done because they'll say, well, don't you want the stuff to show up at Walmart? Don't you want to be able to pay as little as possible for your gasoline? They, they stick that out in front of you. As a pilot fish, they dangle that little glowing light of Walmart and gasoline. But what they don't tell you is about all the human wreckage that makes that possible. And this is not different from Rome. This is not different from other empires. But I gotta tell you folks, if you're hoping we're gonna dwindle away slowly like the Roman Empire, you're smoking crack. That's not, that is not on the menu. Okay, and that, that is a reason why World War III could happen. Because empires, when they collapse, yeah, sometimes they just want to go out in a, a great ball of fire. And that sometimes is the result. But beyond that, folks, I'd say ignore the lies because there's nothing you can do about, do about it. Ignore the garbage. You can't control it. And do what you can to not promote it. You know, Don't go around saying, oh, don't you hate that Putin guy or... Don't you hate that Zelensky guy or Biden looks crazy. They, they all look crazy to me. All of them. They all look dangerous and crazy. And if you're asking, do they deserve to be in the position of power? The simple answer is no, but it doesn't matter. So disconnect from that crap. You're not going to change it. We are riding history right now. We are, if history were a horse, we are riding on it. But it's, it's worse than that. If history were a dog and we were all fleas, that's where we're at right now. And we can have all the opinions we want to about the dog, but we are, we are in the tube, okay? I don't know what's coming next, but you're not going to change it. Neither am I. And they're not going to tell you about it. 
There won't be some big speech given by Biden or some other leader telling us the truth. That's never going to happen. You know, next topic. Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. The perfect social contract is no social contract. I'm just going to leave that there. I'm going to leave that there because I, I beat this subject like a dead horse often enough. And I don't want to like rant, 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 only rant about, you know, liberty. But a lot of folks don't understand that social contract, as we have been fed, the, the idea of social contract, has been very destructive to freedom. Because any time an issue of liberty comes up, somebody will say, but what about social contract? It's like, what the fuck do you think that is? What, why do you think there's a magical agreement that gives you a right to tell me how to live? Guess what? There isn't. Now, does that mean I should go around abusing other people? Actually, it means the opposite. It means you should, you should try to respect your neighbor. It means you should try to live in peace. And it also means that these are the things that are your responsibility. And they always were. The United States of America, even today, as crooked as it is today, in the United States of America, lots of people go through their daily life and never have to call a cop. Lots of people go through their daily life and never think about calling a lawyer. And lots of people go through daily life not giving a fuck about the elections, whatever they are. They just, they just live their life in peace with their neighbors. And that is exactly how we could live if we had the courage to do so. But yeah, you got your social contract. Next topic is another quote from Dr. Freckles. If you're not dead, you have another chance to fail. If you're not dead, you have another chance to fail. Now, what does that mean, Uncle Dan, crazy Dr. Freckles? Well, you know, these are strange times. And, and I'm, lucky to have a, I, I'm lucky to have a number of good friends. You know, I'm kind of, I have an abundance of good friends. I don't have a billion of them, and I'm not on Facebook or Twitter for all sorts of reasons. But there are people out there, many of whom I've met in person, who I would consider a friend. And if you got a friend, you've got a reason to stick around. I'm lucky because there's a bunch of dogs in this house. And I'll tell you something about dogs. They're not dumb. They're probably not going to build computers. But what they are is deeply understanding of human emotion. And they're connected. And they're a lot like us. Listen, humans are pack hunters that work in teams. Wolves are pack hunters that work in teams. Dogs are kind of that creature that, you know kept the wolf parts that fit with us. And one of them is knowing if someone's sick and caring, you know, sensing that somebody is sad. I'm lucky because I get to live in a house with some pretty cool dogs, one of whom, Boomer, has some similar experiences to me. And if he doesn't give up, and if he tries to be a better dog despite the abuse that he had when he was younger, then maybe I should do the same. 
you know? Maybe I should try to get over stuff that's happened to me in this life. Um, it's hard. So there's two reasons. Another reason is, is that I like it here. And, and, and you might be a place that you like, so that's another reason to not give up. But if your reason for wanting to give up is you're afraid to fail, or that you think you're a failure, get rid of that. Nobody's a failure in 2022. That's, you want to hear a good news story? You cannot fail in 2022. You can't. Okay, nobody has the magical recipe. If someone's driving a Tesla, I'm going to lay in a little secret. There's a truth behind that Tesla at home at night that you never see. There is pain. There is despair. There is emptiness. So nobody is a winner in 2022. And pretty much we're all, you know, screwing up every day. But we don't have to give up. I mean, I, this is a very muddled way of saying that right now there are pressures and there are messages that tell people that it's all doom and gloom. And it's not, okay? It never was. Even during the worst times in human history, there are reasons and there are things out there that we can hold on to. And there's joy. And maybe it's not every day. I mean, maybe the difference between good times and bad times is quantitative and qualitative. Maybe it really is a percentage of good days versus bad days. And if you suffer from depression, as I do, you might not even notice the difference as, as the days go by. Um, Lars von Trier, and I've talked about this film before, made a film called Melancholia a little more than 10 years ago, you know, a little more than a decade ago. And Melancholia is, is the story of, of two sisters. Um, one sister that suffers from very severe depression, probably manic depression, and the other sister that's normal, quote unquote. And throughout the movie, there's this third character. And the third character is Doom. I mean, ultimately, there's a planet heading towards Earth that is going to hit Earth. And people lie about it and they gaslight each other about it, and the husband of one of the sisters pretends to be really optimistic and then kills himself. Um, and one of the things about the, the sister that suffers from depression is that as the film progresses, she feels more normal. Like she understood. She understood what she was confronting. She understood the doom and despair. It had been her life. And now the world had become her life, basically. So for a lot of people that suffer from depression, whether you believe it or not, you kind of have a superpower right now. It doesn't mean a planet's going to hit us. It doesn't mean it's the end of the world. But if you've confronted despair and pointlessness at any period of your life, then you can look out into the world right now and maybe not get overwhelmed. Maybe you don't have to be suckered into the perpetual fear. It doesn't have to be all doom and gloom. For some people, Coffee and a cigarette is Christmas. For some people, making love is New Year's Day. For some people, having the basic things, you know, food, water, shelter, is to be wealthy for some people. Now, if you're fed the BS about, well, if you don't have the newest clothes, the newest car, if you're not fully briefed on the latest social justice warrior nonsense, then you're not one of the cool people, you're not the popular kid, you should go back home. 
But for some people, that world is, is dead to them. They don't even connect to it. It's not a part of their perspective. There are people that are going to look at the world as the days go by, and I'm sorry, it's not the end of the world, but some things that have to end are about to, to end. Sorry. And it's going to be painful, more painful than most people understand, way more painful than, than me just talking about it. But for some people, as they confront this world, they're going to deal with it. And it isn't going to be the end of things. And it won't be, well, since every day is not happy, I have to give up. Many people who suffer from depression come to realize that one really good day ends up being worth a bunch of crappy ones. And that's one of the reasons why you hang on. That's one of the reasons why you don't give up. But if your reason for deciding your value is based upon some third-party criteria about the right clothes, the right car, the right place to live, then, th then you're in a bad place and you need to get out of there. Okay, this is one of those, you need to get out of the burning building. And the burning building is that psychological marketing trap telling you what you have to have and what you need. I'll tell you what, you need food, you need water, you need shelter. Every human being does. It's nice to have the extras. It's nice to have the gold-plated health insurance so you can, you know, get whatever boob or penis surgery you want to. And I'm sure it's nice to have a Tesla because everybody loves them and you can seem so cool. And I'm sure it's nice to live in a nice neighborhood around nice people, but none of that is necessary. It's just nice to have. It's extra. You're not dead. If you're listening to this podcast, you might have poor taste, but you're not dead. And yeah, maybe every day that you're not dead is just another chance to fail. But I'll tell you what, some of the most exciting things in this world are the product of failure. So you're not dead. Next topic. So, in 2019, I had a pretty good handle on what was going on, in my opinion. I did a podcast in February 2019 called The Screwbilly. And if you listen to that podcast, in my opinion, it described 80% of what's happened in the last couple years. Maybe not every event, maybe not every specific psyop, but it's been directionally correct. And then I had a uh, podcast at the end of 2019 called The Great Discontinuity. And in it, I lay out possible future, you know, equilibrium states, potentially possible futures. But none of them were really guaranteed. They were just possible given what was about to happen. History has become unstuck. But in late 2019, I got suckered by this weird German dude. And I got a podcast or two from that period. He kept talking about the Simpsons. He kept talking about a turtle. He said early November, a nuke will go off in Seattle. None of that ever happened. In the last couple weeks, and, and I don't know if he's responsible for this, but there's been this meme around September the 24th, which technically was yesterday. And I know I've heard all the stuff about, didn't you hear about Z? There's a, there was a coup in China. Listen, here's what you need to know about the political history of China. 
it might have cultural stability. It's had very little political stability. You have about 50 years between civil wars. That's the truth about China. So if you're going to come back and say it couldn't happen, you don't understand Chinese history. You really don't. These are people that 50 years ago were either participants in or running from the, you know, the cultural revolution. And so, <laughs> I mean, many of them saw their parents executed in the street with dunce caps on. This is, this is those people who are in charge right now. So if you're going to say it can't happen, it won't happen, it could. But I don't know what's going on with it, so let's just drop that. But anyways, 9-24, September the 24th, something big was going to happen. Potentially the nuclear war, potentially the, the Wookiee apocalypse, potentially all of the swamp creatures were going to crawl out of the swamp, <sighs> you know, and some kind of robot thing. I, uh, obviously it's not 924. Um, you know, according to the Simpsons, Homer predicted something big on 924, 2022. The best minds believe this refers to the Bigfoot onslaught or the Wookiee wave. The Bigfoot people, as I've stated, are sick of our crap. They're 15 feet tall and they weigh 600 pounds. They'll rip your arms off and beat you to death with them. They're tired of our stuff, our race wars, our gender conflict, our deconstruction of li liberal-ass hattery and other stuff. We're tired. They're tired of it. They seek our flesh to ungudulate themselves and to excite their female's boobula. They will use our monctus grease for festivals of promiscuity and fertility so that more of the Wookiee people can rule the post-nuclear war wastelands. That's what we believe Homer was predicting for 924. Did it happen? No, it didn't happen. And I'm kind of sad. Every day I look up into the Ute Mountains. So you know the Ute, I think, is the only mountain chain, the only mountain chain in America that goes east to west, not north to south. So every day I look up north to those mountains and I say to myself, when are the Wookiee people going to come? When are they going to save us from our bullshit? You know, I've been buying cottage cheese because I've been looking for food I can buy at the grocery store that doesn't make me sick. And in the last few weeks, the cottage cheese I've been buying has become this kind of white sludge. It, it doesn't even have the little, you know, curds in it. It's just a big, white, greasy mess. And I'm thinking to myself, that could just be phlegm and grumbazoid with some type of white food coloring or bleaching agent, I could be just eating, you know, what was left inside of the intestine of some cow that had been ripped apart by a robot. And of course that's terrible, but it's 2022, brothers and sisters.
That's enough about 924. I got suckered by that German dude in 2019. For a few weeks, I got suckered by his nonsense, in part because that spooky part of your intuition that goes off, that tells you you're really close to something, it can be taken advantage of by grifters too. You know, to some extent, these psyops, whether it's the COVID, the race war, or these random dudes that talk about the turtle, it's the turtle with a German accent. To some extent, these things are intended to act as a kind of jamming signal, you know, like radio jamming. But what they're trying to jam is just the ordinary spooky capability that conscious minds have to understand the world they're in. It's not magic. It's not ESP. You can call it intuition. But in late 2019, a lot of people I knew, their alarms were going off. And so this German guy shows up and gives them nonsense. You know, it's a lot like coin shortages and toilet paper shortages. Their purpose is to confuse you and to also reduce your ability to reason about your situation, you know. So I, I can't tell you about 924 except I don't know what happened. And if nothing happened, then it did turn out to be a steaming pile of bullshit. Next topic. So this is going to be a bit more serious and arguably spiritual because it deals with my faith. And in the coming weeks, I'm hoping to do a kind of podcast series with my friend Seattle Mike. Before I do that series, I want to do an interview because he's recently been to Europe. So I want to get some feedback on what he saw there. And based on our conversation yesterday, as boring as it may sound, we may talk mostly about food. Because one of the things he relayed to me is how much healthier he felt after spending time in the French countryside eating actual food that ding, ding, ding goes rotten. You know, food that goes rotten, which means actual food. Food your body can digest. Food that likely has vitamins and minerals in it. Not the scrumbo that we harvest from the Midwest sponge and, and, and allow the dringus to, to just flow into the Gulf of Mexico. I'm not talking about that Norman Borlaug nonsense. I'm talking about actual food. And he said he just felt a lot better. Like basically after a couple days of eating really delicious, healthy, fresh food, he, he, you know, he had a rash that cleared up, all kinds of stuff. So I'll be talking to him. But the other thing we're going to do after that podcast, hopefully next weekend or next week sometime, is we're going to go through a book called Maranatha. Maranatha. God, I always butcher that. It was written by Harry Bultima, and it deals with prophecy, specifically the coming of Jesus Christ. Um, and one of the chapters, early chapters in Maranatha, is a chapter called the Antichrist. And so he talks about who the Antichrist would be. Here are some things we can say based on prophecy. And I believe this is true based on what I've read as well. The Antichrist is going to be young. It's not going to be somebody like me in their 50s. It's probably not going to be somebody in their 40s. It's, it's entirely likely they could end up being roughly the same age that Jesus was when he basically set out on his journey as an adult. So somewhere around 31, 32 could very well be the age of the Antichrist. He's going to be successful. And I don't mean that in a plastic way. Like, I don't mean like he's going to be successful like Paris Hilton. No, this guy is going to be successful and brilliant. And yeah, it's going to be a male, according to prophecy. He's going to be attractive. He's not going to be probably overweight. 
chances are he'll be really attractive, really charismatic. Um, there is zero probability that it's going to be somebody that is repulsive. So we're going to know this when we see this person is attractive and charismatic, that this guy is going to be so irresistible that people who believe in the Antichrist won't understand why others reject him. This is really critical because this is where some of the conflict in the end times comes from. This idea that there'll be people who follow the Antichrist and listen, the Antichrist is going to be bigger than McDonald's, bigger than FedEx, bigger than your first crush, bigger than the best day of your life. If you think in material terms, the Antichrist will be everything. If you think in spiritual terms, he'll almost be the opposite, really. But for a lot of people these days, it's very material. It's very much about stuff. It's very much about earthly pleasure. So the Antichrist will, will say, I'll deliver everything. And people won't understand. They won't get it. They won't understand why people reject him. And this is going to be one of the sources of conflict. The Antichrist is going to propose magical solutions. And, and this means we're going to have crises. It means we're going to have things we face like famine, disease, and other disasters that we understand and don't understand. And these types of catastrophes are going to be so extreme that the Antichrist will come along and say, I have a magical solution. And once he starts fixing, quote unquote, some of these problems, that's also going to bring a lot more people towards the Antichrist. Again, attractive, young, charismatic, brilliant, successful, wealthy, magical solutions to all your daily problems and all your disasters. The, I think the Antichrist will begin to see, will begin, I, I think, his time in, in, the, in the spotlight. I think the Antichrist will begin his, his time in the spotlight as a peacemaker. I'm not saying that'll last long. But at first, it'll be about peace and love. It'll be a kind of undermining of the message of Jesus Christ. Now, much of this will be revealed as false very soon. But I think when the Antichrist first arrives, it'll be like he's going he's gonna to be a peacemaker. He's going to end the conflict. He's going to bring people together. The Antichrist will end his reign as a war maker, as someone who obviously seeks the destruction of much, if not all, of mankind. Um, for Christians that are living in the end times and don't participate in the rapture, and again, the rapture is a controversial subject I don't want to get into right now, and probably I'll just leave for me and for my friend and myself when we do this podcast series in a few weeks. But um, for Christians that are left behind here, and I know there's a movie called Left Behind, ugh. for Christians here on earth, that time where the Antichrist is on the world stage in the spotlight is going to be horrible. There are going to be great evils committed that you'll see and you'll say, how could this happen? And the interesting thing is, as a sign of the times, that's happening right now. Right now, there are people out there doing incredibly evil things. And a lot of Americans are like saying, you know, they're cheering it on. They're saying, we want more of this. What I saw of human beings in 2020 in 2021 in Seattle, left me with the notion that the darkness is already here. As fertilizer for the Antichrist, it, the darkness is already here. It's in so many people, and it's so easy to turn them on. 
In fact, maybe the COVID was a test. Like, let's test and see, you know, how close is the Antichrist? Well, maybe we can test that theory by figuring out how shitty are people? How shitty have people become? Have they become so shitty that they would scare their neighbors to death? Maybe that's what the COVID was. A test to see if everything is ready. I don't know, folks. Like I said, they feed us garbage. What we know is garbage about their decisions, their choices. What we have is really bad information. What I will tell you, though, if you're a Christian in the end times, on earth, not raptured, it's going to be the most difficult time of your life. And you might see people you love turn on you. And you might see people you love tortured and killed. And there's nothing about it that's going to be easy. It's why it's called the tribulation. It's going to be a painful struggle. And it's going to be an opportunity for people who don't believe in Christ to find their faith. That's the part of the good news of the book of Revelation and prophecy is that during tribulation, it's not too late. It's not too late to ask for forgiveness. It's not too late to turn your face towards Christ. What you will realize is what I realized about a decade ago. Christ never went anywhere. He was right next to you. He was watching out for you. No, he wasn't going to make sure you had the sexiest wife or husband or the nicest car or the nicest house. Remember the Lord's time in the desert. Remember what Satan offered God. And remember that the Lord's rebuke was quite simple. That what you're offering me is nothing. All the things that are going to fall apart, turn to dust, these are not things that the Lord in heaven normally says, I'll give you a lot of this. I'm not saying that the Lord is not a Lord of abundance, but this isn't Eden. This isn't heaven. This isn't the kingdom. This is the in-between life. And if you want a book that will help you, especially during the tribulation, read the book of Ecclesiastes. Because it describes the situation pretty well, both in terms of the now and the future. So one of the reasons why I'm not prepared to say we're in the end times is because there is nobody that I have seen on the world stage that remotely fits the Antichrist. Not Putin, not Biden, not Obama, not Obama's secret son or daughter, uh, not Bill Gates, not Bill Gates' children. There is nobody that currently is presenting themselves in such a way that you could rationally say, based on prophecy, that that is the Antichrist. Nobody. You know, it doesn't mean we're not on the edge of the end times. It just means we're not there yet. And that's the thing about prophecy. It's not, it's probably not going to be predictive. You're, you're probably not going to be able to use it to know, well, will Trump win in 2024? Ugh, I don't think the Lord in heaven and Trump have much in common, buddy. I've looked at Trump's kids. None of them are that, are that charismatic. Some of them are okay looking, but none of them fit the bill. None of Trump's kids, none of Clinton's kids, none of Obama's kids. There is nobody currently being masqueraded as one of the young leaders of the world that remotely fits the bill. And if, you, if you're saying Justin Trudeau, he's too old. He's too old, and frankly, he's not that charismatic, and he's kind of a dumbass. So it's not Justin Trudeau. So what you can say, I think, at this point in time, is that the Antichrist has not presented himself. Ergo, I think we can say, we're probably not in the end times. And maybe it is right around the corner, right? 
Maybe it's next, next week. Maybe the Antichrist goes on TV and offers everybody a sweepstakes award, like Publisher Clearinghouse. Publisher's Clearinghouse from the Antichrist. One million. For everybody, one million. You just have to worship me as your new god. <laughs> and you get God, he brings back to life that old dude from Johnny Carson. And he goes around handing out checks. Yeah, I don't know. Could be, could be, don't know, don't really know. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. And by the way, if, oh, I think we're almost over an hour. Yeah, we're over an hour. Um, we're past the hour, so if you you know this is not the part of the show that you'd be listening to on the radio. Hopefully, people got the message. But if this does end up on the radio, the rest of the show is only available online for free. Really, download MP3. Fine, you get it for free. I usually try to cue things up 15 minutes before and say, "Listen, if you're listening on the radio, WRMI 58.50 kilohertz." I do that spiel, but what's the point? What's the point? Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Every meal I prepare has an ICD-10 diagnosis code associated with it. I don't think that's a very funny quote, especially if you don't know anything about healthcare finance, but... ICD-10 replaces ICD-9, and these are coding systems for diagnoses. Like, you know, I don't know, the person has an inf a cold or has a STD. There's a different code for everything. The person has a broken leg. The person was hit by a car and has a, a dislocated shoulder or something. There's a, there's a diagnosis code for every type of event. And I figure, based upon the food I've been eating the last month, and my diet has been really bad, and if you want to judge me, go back in a time machine to 2020 so I can punch you in the fucking face. No, I, don't, I no longer take health advice from anyone, really. Because from what I've seen the last couple years, most of you motherfuckers, especially you skinny motherfuckers, don't have a clue. You don't. You may be temporarily in good health because you're on five kinds of drugs. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. But the last few weeks, my diet's been really terrible. I, I just won't even tell you how bad. I have been eating the worst of the worst. And part of it is, I know a simple truth. And it's a truth that you could have seen on the Tim and Eric show 20 years ago, maybe, 15, 20, a little video, a little PSA, all the food is poison. And it was funny and absurd and ridiculous when I saw it back in 2005 or 6. But now I think, what? Maybe that Tim and Eric, they were right. Maybe that PSA was correct. Because I don't think you can find food at the grocery store, fresh food, that isn't in some way contaminated. I don't have the resources to prove it. I don't have the time or the energy. But my friend telling me his story about France kind of just reiterates this idea. It's just, you know, the way we grow food in this country currently is probably bad for us. And probably it triggers autoimmune responses, and probably that's one of the reasons why we have this obesity diabetes issue. And you can give me all the, well, Dan, just lower your calories. Well, the problem is 
when you're eating food, you need more than just calories. You need nutrition. You need minerals, vitamins, you need other things. And for a lot of people, they don't have the time to figure out which bottle of super bee juice from New Zealand is going to make up for the fact that the food you're eating is crap. Okay, so for many people, they expect to get their nutrition from the food they eat. The reality is that's not true. A lot of this food is going to give you diabetes. That's all it's going to give you. If you eat enough of it to get any vitamins out of it, you're going to get diabetes. It's the simple reality of it. And you can send me an email telling me that Norman Borlaug was a genius. My response is I want to live in a free world and I'd like to be able to choose food that is healthy. Currently, our food system is highly centralized and the government is deeply involved in it. So get rid of the government, get rid of the centralization, and let people just grow food and trade. I'll settle for that, buddy. But if you're going to give me some Penn and Teller argument from the Cato Institute, here's what I'll say. Without freedom, there is no choice. There is no option of choosing healthy versus unhealthy. So give me a free economy, and then we can have a conversation about whether or not Norman Borlaug is, is a functional way to manage your agricultural system. Maybe the right answer is let people be free. And if some people want to grow food using the three-field system and actually restore the soil and do it in a way that's sustainable over time, and if some people want to do the Norman Borlaug sponge where you pour fertilizer and other crap on it and you grow corn that basically is just sugar, you make your choices in a free world. But currently, that's not the world we live in. The food we eat in this country is more or less provided to us like in any other kind of Stalinist Soviet system. We don't really get to make a choice, not, not with respect to, the, to most of it. You could say, well, Dan, aren't there organic farmers out there? I... <sighs> what is organic if they're spraying stuff in the sky? What does that even mean? What is organic when you find Prozac in, in trout, in fish you catch out of the river, you find Prozac? What is organic? I mean, you tell me organic, but the reality is unless I can analyze your food and your soil, I don't know what you're feeding people. I don't. It might be the case that you, you, you have a tractor that uses biodiesel or something, and so you claim you're organic. Fine. Like I said, food needs to go rotten. Food needs to contain stuff in it that can actually, you know, be nutritious. It can't just be liquid sugar or solid sugar in fact, humans didn't evolve to eat tons of sugar and carbohydrates. We evolved to eat things that were more protein and fat. So why don't we consider the possibility that our food might be bad for us and that maybe there should be an ICD-10 code for every item at the grocery store? Oh, you have old squimblies. You ate the Nally tamale. It will give you a stroke. It will plug up your veins. But if you're wanting to disappear, then go get a can of Nally tamales and eat a whole can of that scrimbo grease and then kiss your ass goodbye. Next topic. Oh, boy. So I've been thinking a lot about pain um, in recent weeks, in part because of a health event I had a month ago, but also 
because of the various kinds of pain. There's psychological pain, there's physical pain, there's spiritual existential pain, there's pain of a love, a love that runs out, there's pain of a woman that dumps you at the chapel, there's pain of a man that leaves you at the bar, there's pain of love, there's pain of life, right? You will wander. You, you monkey children, we monkey children, you will wander the gusto fields. Looking for angel wax, your dog will hunt eagle ferret. Your hooker wife will make stew and there will be pain. And you'll feel it deep inside, baby. You will seek out. You'll seek out the crystal of Orbis Throg. Making love to the seven witches. Climbing Mount Dinktus. Hanging brains with the Yogi Dharama. And yes, there will be pain. And your body will become smelly rancid and yellow and filled with swamp gas and there will be pain you will wander down to the wharf and meet captain nemo at the gay bar the bar will be the blue oyster the captain will be playing grab ass with a twink he looks at you with his bloodshot eyes and come covering his greasy hands and you wonder if you fell in love with him, would there be pain? And yeah, motherfucker, it's like Disneyland and filled with gombo creeps and pedos, there will be pain. You were Spacecracker 99. You rode the star lines with Peter Weller. Your cyber cat said don't trust him. Your stripper maid said, give me his minctus. Time was frozen. And your last wife or your first wife stole the golden hoe candles. And now you're drifting towards that black hole where Matthew McConaughey and Nicolas Cage baked Fraggle cookies and designed robot Kevin Bacon. And there will be pain. And there's no stopping it. Amazon has excess warehouse space in Spain. The excess warehouse space will be used for splunker harvests. Old scrag folk will be picked up on Tuesday from the old folks' home. And then taken to the rendering yard where the dingus hounds bark, bark at them and usher them into the chipper. Blake Skrieg, the Yurt King, fed those droppings to long-dead snail wolves and those weird, fresh street gangs that carry glocks and fire them sideways, OG. And yes, there is pain, buddy. You, in your ignorance, you will master the cards and the broads and sing of songs of cocaine and strippers. And even for you, 
there will be pain. Next topic. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Not needing a lot of stuff to be happy is a superpower. I'm kind of a minimalist, but, and this is important, but I have things that go beyond food, water, shelter. Like I enjoy drinking beer. Sadly here in Utah, really to my own dismay and eternal regret, sadly here in Utah, you don't really have good beer options. I mean, you can go to the liquor store Tuesday through Saturday, 12 noon to 7 p.m., and you can get stuff that's kind of like the beer you'd expect to find at the Chevron in Seattle. But if you want to go to the Maverick and get beer, you're getting this Mormon beer that, yeah, it contains some alcohol, but what it contains a bungload of is sugar. And so if you have any sensitivity to too much sugar or whatever crap is in the sugar, it's not great beer, really. In fact, you're better off getting a natural light rather than spending money on the expensive beer at the Maverick. In part because at least there's less sugar and it's more water. I don't know, you know. But what I've come to understand in my own life in the last decade is that not having a ton of stuff can be a little bit uncomfortable at times, and sometimes it can be inconvenient, but the reality is it's a better life than tons of stuff, especially if you're not rich, especially if you're not even middle class, especially if you're hanging on to this brass ring called the American dream by your fingernails you know that the next time you're going to have to move could be right around the corner. Could be an eviction, could be a job, could be good news, could be bad news. But what you know is that you're a traveler. You're, you're almost like the Romani. You're almost like a gypsy. What you do know is that whether you're 25 years old or 55 years old, you are wandering from place to place to place. And having a lot of shit in that situation is uncomfortable and painful. I've known a lot of people in my life, most of whom would, would be on the side of, I can't get rid of it. I can't let it go. And my contention is the following. If you are rich and can afford to have, you know, a little museum to all your shit, then do it. You can have a giant garage or whatever. If you're middle class and want to fill your garage with crap, that's your business. But... There are things in this life that are way more important than your old aunt's stereo or old Uncle Freddy's painting of Hitler. There's things in this world that are way more important than that, you know, that chair you got at auction. And if you're, if you're afraid to let those things go, that could affect your chances of survival, really. A time could come in the near future, and not that far in the future, where you're going to have to get up and move. And if you're in a situation where you can't move because you have to pack all your shit first, that could risk your life. So it's, in my view, really good advice to get used to not having a lot of stuff. It, it's horrible advice if you want to, like, 
spread the abundance mythology of the secret and tell people everybody can live in a condo at 84s up and eat Chinese food every day, that's probably not reality. The reality that's coming is going to be hard. Not the end of the world, but even if it's not the end times, even if it's not worse than just the collapse of the U.S. dollar, what's coming is going to be really hard. And if you have a ton of shit and you can't let it go, that's a weakness. And if you have the ability to know what's important and what's not, that's a superpower. I mean, not literally, but that's going to give you an edge. It's going to make you more mobile. And sadly, we could be in a period of time where people are going to be moving around. Um, if you're lucky enough to live someplace where you think you can just be there, God bless. I think I may have found a place like that. But a lot of people live in cities. Like 70 to 80% of Americans live in an urban area. There's a chance you're going to have to leave. And if you are unable to leave stuff behind, then you will be putting your life at risk. So there you go. Next topic. I got this quote here. Well, I don't know if I want to do this Dr. Freckles quote. It's kind of dumb in a way. Um, it's related to this idea that I, I genuinely believe that the most impossible society to invade is a free society. It, it runs counter to all the neocon, Republican, Democrat, Libprog, commie nonsense we've been fed for the last few decades. But the fact is, if you ignore the military-industrial complex and all their propaganda, the most dangerous society to attack is a free society. That means that people who want to have weapons have weapons. That means that people who want to train with those weapons, either individually or as teams, because hence, you know, hey, we're pack hunters, and we, and we do, we're, you know, we're dangerous by ourselves. We're uber dangerous together, voluntarily. So here, here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Gustavus Adolphus and Cromwell were very close to becoming anarchist Rommel. <laughs> and what do I mean by anarchist Rommel? Well, a lot of people look at Rommel as one of the nicer German generals. He didn't seem quite so evil. And he was very successful in North Africa and, and in other campaigns. So they look at Rommel and they say, here's this great German general. But what if you had a version of Rommel that also believed in a free society. Not in Hitler, not in Nazi crap. I'm not sure Rommel believed in any of that, but he stayed dedicated to it right up until the last minute, you know, more or less. So imagine you had a Rommel, but more or less thought, yeah, you know, Hitler's bullshit, but then so was Bismarck. In fact, all this triumph of the will shit is triumph of the bullshit. I just want to be free. Um, and I think that that's possible. I, I think that Gustavus Adolphus during the Thirty Years' War and Cromwell in England during the English Civil War were very close to being warrior generals who also believed in basic freedom. But the reality about Cromwell, especially if you're Irish, you know, he was, he's a mixed bag. He, he, he more or less um, participated and enabled ethnic cleansing against Irish people. So, you know, he, he was never anarchist Rommel. And Gustavus Adolphus, who really did do some brilliant things with respect to that um, 17th century way of, of going to war, um, he revolutionized many aspects of tactical combat for the time. He probably wasn't really a deep believer in freedom as much as he was in his own pirate army making money. 
which is a long-winded way of saying that we've never had an anarchist Rommel, but I do think there's the possibility that in a free society, you would have people who are highly trained and capable of even leading an army, but it would be a volunteer army, which means people that want to be there want to be there. And that's another thing too, folks. You don't want people fighting with you who don't want to be there. Um, I know there are lots of people, we can have a draft and we can draft people, you know, who've been eating the corn syrup and, you know, put them into the, the Skinner box with the rainbow bright button and that'll be fine. And maybe that's fine. I don't think it is. But the reality for me is that you don't want to be in combat if you're ever in combat with people, with people that don't want to be there. That's one of the problems with the draft, by the way. Um, next topic. This is a kind of a messed up topic because it deals with a concept that fits into the category of Doritos for the brain. There's, you know, the devil's theory of baseball diamonds and there's other stuff like that, you know, Hanlon's razor. This one's called Tina. There is no alternative, but there's no actual rule in the universe that says there is no alternative. In fact, about the only thing you can say about that statement is it's kind of what a tyrant would say or a king, or a dictator. There's no choice. You don't have a choice. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. Tina dies as the U.S. dollar dies. And, and I would say that's the case. We are currently in a world situation where the U.S. dollar is the reserve currency. And even though I'm telling you that it's not going to be good, right now the dollar is very strong. And a lot of people, you know, dollar... <laughs> Dollar files or people who believe in the U.S. dollar like it's their god are saying, look at, look at, we were right. The dollar's so strong. It's going to stay strong. It's getting stronger. The stronger the dollar gets, the worse it is. It's one of the things I think people don't understand. It's bad for our government because it won't be able to borrow money. It's also bad for much of the developed world. So this idea that a strong dollar is a good thing is not. But what I'm going to say is this. Tina, there is no alternative, is bullshit. It's never been a thing, okay? You might want to believe it's a thing because you've lived in a very crony period of economic history. I would say as crony and crooked as anything that happened during the Soviet period. You've lived under a controlled, centralized economy. And so from your perspective, you know, every 2 p.m. on the Dow Jones, every 2 p.m. on the NASDAQ, buy the fucking dip. And, and that just seems normal to you. But historically normal is not measured in a couple years or a couple decades. I think what is normal is about to happen, which means what the odds say, what the statistics says, you know, what reversion to the mean says. We are about to hit something closer to normal. And it's not a world where the Fed is going to be buying the markets every day. Uh, it's not a world where the Fed can survive. The Fed's going away. It's going away in some quasi-peaceful way, or it's going away in an extraordinarily violent way, but the Fed is going away, and there is always an alternative. So get rid of Tina, because Tina's going away, baby. And here's the last topic, or last thing to think about. I don't know. Maybe I won't. You know what? I'm not going to bring up this one, because this one is kind of divisive, and we've had enough of that. It relates to this idea like, okay, you got the AK-47, which, which is a rifle, a machine gun rifle developed in the Soviet Union back in the 40s and 50s. And you could argue 
that no weapon has done more for minority people and their liberty than the AK-47. I'm sorry. Okay, it, it is simply easier to make that argument historically over the last few decades that the AK-47 has done that. And if you ask yourself what military in the last 50 years has killed more minority poor people, I'm sorry, but you can only answer the U.S. military. And frankly, we're still killing people in Southeast Asia because of all the toxic shit we dumped on Southeast Asia in the 60s and 70s. So it's weird. It's like everyone's told Russia's evil, Putin is evil. But like I said, the AK-47, you can make a very good argument, has been the great liberator. And the United States military has just simply liberated people from their bodies. And if you say, well, we did it for 9-11, Dan, we did it for 9-11, I don't think we know what 9-11 was. All we know is that the powers that be were in a hurry to, to shove a narrative down your throat. That's what you know about 9-11. They were in a hurry to melt the evidence. They were in a hurry to change the topic, and they were in a hurry to invade a bunch of other countries. That's what we know about 9-11. But we don't know anything about who did it or why they did it. We know that one of the buildings that collapsed, uh, collapsed several hours later. And it's sort of like, well, you know, when World Trade Center 1 and 2 crashed, World Trade Center 7 jumped off its hinges somehow and then collapsed. I mean, the explanations we get from 9-11 are absurdly fucking stupid. But people need to believe that crap, don't they? So I'm going to close this thing out. Um, and, you know, if you, if you actually came to the podcast from the radio, God bless. I think I used a few F-bombs on the air again. I don't, I don't even know if that matters at this point. I mean, I know that people want me, maybe, to adopt the kind of Alex Jones fear model. But the fact is, folks, I'll leave you with this. If you want to know what the FEMA camp is, it's the city you're living in. Um, as far as that goes, and I don't think the government has the strength to do any of the things that we are currently being told it can do. It might be able to launch nukes. It might be able to wage a conventional war against another power that isn't just a poor country someplace for a while. We might be able to have World War III for a few weeks, and, and then maybe it ends in a nuke war. But in terms of our government, our government's in collapse. This is what it looks like. That's why they're doing the stupid stuff they're doing. That's why they're trying to scare people. That's why they're trying to, to divide people, because the U.S. government is in collapse. This is not a sign of strength, the stuff they've been doing. It's a sign of extraordinary weakness. So if you're one of those people who won't be sad... When these crooked, nasty people go away, then I think that's a good news story. But if you want to talk to me about Wuhan viruses and the Ukraine war and magical BLM Antifa freaks, you know, beat bricks. You're talking to me about movies that I've already seen. So for September the 25th, 2022, Bo Blimp Doc, Sunday... Almost 12.30. I hope you guys are out there and enjoying your weekend. And God bless. <laughs>